I'm Kelly Gaddis of Gaddis Game Calls. This is Rilo's Quack Chat. As a call maker, I enjoy talking shop with other duck call makers. On this podcast, it's all about duck calls and duck hunting. From the marsh to the duck call shop, we're going to find the story behind the duck calls and the people that make them. This is Rilo's Quack Chat. Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Riley Hendrickson with... Rilo's Quack Chat, talking about duck calls and duck hunting. Oh man, it has been a while since I've had an episode out. Oh my gosh, uh, let me get you up to speed. So I mean, season came in, everyone's busy, uh, Christmas is right around the corner, so that means duck call selling season is in. So all duck call makers right now are feeling that Christmas rush. Hopefully you got your calls shipped out yesterday because uh, if it's tomorrow, Monday, or yeah, if it's tomorrow, which you may be listening to this episode Wednesday, um, it may be a little too late to get that episode out. But um, yeah, so busy with life, busy with kids, busy with um, duck calls, and then of course this week I am done because Tuesday I get to have a dentist rip a tooth out of my mouth and I won't be able to blow a duck call for like two weeks. So that's good stuff. But anyway, man, there is always um, on call nuts and some of these uh, groups, man, I've I there are certain call makers that I love watching whenever they post a video or post one on TikTok and. Um, you know, there are some guys that just are fascinating. You have some guys that have blow the cut downs. You have some guys that are just J-frame guys. Or you've got, you know, some of the old Cajun guys that are blowing LAs. But then you have, like, the magicians, the cool guys that I just, that fascinate me by blowing those really awesome, just loud, real foot calls. Um, and when I was down at real foot, man, you could hear them. They would be on one side and it was like just this loud, echoey call and just beep, 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 beep. And it was just beautiful. And uh, man, one of the guys that, if you say a real foot call, one of the guys right now that's really kicking out those real foot calls and other calls, but man, he has beautiful work um, in the real foot calls and he just really knows how to blow one is Mr. Kelly Gaddis. Kelly, how are you doing, sir? Hey, great, Riley. How's it going today? Oh, it's going good, man. And it was so funny when I first called you. I heard that sound um, on your side, and I was like, "You are sending a tone board, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the season there, Riley. So that's kind of what happens with us call makers during this time of the year. So. Oh, oh, man. I mean, it's by the first. I don't know about you, but by the first of the year, two things happen. I have that crazy, bewildered look in my eyes, and my calling is up just a notch. Because <laughs> you have to blow so many calls for tuning, um, and you're you're just forced to be better. Uh, but then as soon as that, the as soon as the busy season is over, I once again go to uh, sucking on a duck call, or not <laughs> not as good as some of these guys. But uh, 
Man, when did you let's before we get into the real foot calls because I mean I just love real foot calls. I love the tradition of them. I love the style, the sound of them. Uh, Kelly, when did you start duck hunting? How old were you? Well, Riley, you know I started going with my dad. You know, and I didn't carry a gun. You know, heck, when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. And um, I didn't carry the gun, but mm-hmm. man, I just uh, I just developed a love for it at, at a young age like that. And um, I just loved watching those ducks fly. And I was kind of my dad's retriever when I was young. You know, I'd run after those crippled ducks or or whatever he knocked down. And uh, so, yep, I started doing all that when I was young. And then when I got old enough to carry the shotgun, and you know, after football season would end, you know, then uh, then I got more more involved in it. Nice. Just nice. because, you know, you know, that football season and, and hunt and duck hunt was crossing each other a little bit, you know. Yeah. Now, did the uh, duck season eventually just ruin your football career or? Oh, no. You know what, man? I just, uh, man, as soon as I was done, you know, with ball, man, it was just, I, I dove into the, you know, the duck hunting. And then I went off to the military and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and I tried to hunt as much as I could wherever I was stationed. And, and then when I came back home, man, I just went crazy with the duck hunting, you know consumed me at that point yeah have you always been in ohio um other than when i was in the military yep i grew up right here uh you know lived within about three miles of lake erie uh the Mm -hmm. western basin of lake erie and uh, so i've always lived in this this area except for when i was in the service you know yeah it it just amazes me how many call makers are in ohio it just blows my mind yeah, we got a we got a few good ones, and we had one recently that passed away who was uh, was a great call maker, a great artisan. It was Mike Paul, and oh, really? uh, he was from Ohio, and he was just a fantastic uh, call maker, and um, got a lot of Mike Paul calls in people's collections throughout this country, you know. And mm-hmm. but yep, we we got a few call makers here, you know. We got Ryan Russo and um, Ron Davis, and um, so yeah, we got a few hanging around here in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and speaking of Lake Erie, didn't you do some hunting in Lake Erie this year? Oh yeah, yep, yep. That's that's my normal stomping grounds, uh, Riley. I've been hunting Lake Erie um, since I could duck hunt, you know. So yep, that's I. That's my main stomping grounds is uh, Lake Erie, and then you know I get up there to Lake Huron up on the Saginaw Bay, and uh, I've. Uh, duck hunted quite a bit on lake st Clair, and mm. um so you know i do a lot of that big water hunting also so nice now wasn't it tell correct me if i'm wrong kelly but wasn't it lake erie that guys got stuck on lake erie during the armitage blizzard well you know I, there was some folks that did too but yeah i think the big stories that you read about was um up there on the mississippi river there, there's been a lot of stories that were up there um that writers had wrote about and but mm-hmm. yeah i think it was uh, uh duck hunters from all you know all, all throughout the great lakes riley that uh they got stuck out there on that and even passed away you know yeah yeah i i uh started reading some of the one of the books i think it was last year and they were literally bringing blocks of ice that were duck hunters during that blizzard it was just a freaky because i mean it went if i remember correctly it went from 70 to like zero in two hours right so, right yeah that's and that amazing and that'd be, be 
today we don't have a big excuse for that kind of stuff just because of technology but back then they didn't have that technology you know yeah yeah so what i mean is it pretty cool to do you blow any of your uh real foot calls on lake erie oh yeah yep yep um i used to do a lot more of the the real foots on lake erie for years not quite as much as i used to but yep it's uh it's i tell you what riley when you know the ducks they, they've been hearing a certain type of duck calling all all year long and then mm-hmm. just that different that different sound that the metal reed real foot puts out is a great change of pace and um i've had a lot of success using those uh real foot metal reed calls over the years nice nice yeah it um i yeah we'll we'll get to it eventually but man we have you have such a rich history i mean when let's go back when you were hunting when you were younger i mean what what was the gear like what what were you what kind of waders were you wearing what kind oh, of shotgun did you start with <laughs> yeah so yeah it was uh you know rubber waders riley and, wow. and those things th- those things were dangerous you know <laughs> you know if you fill those things if you fill the rubber waders up with water you were in trouble yeah and um uh, you know a lot of car heart coals we wore and uh and we might be able to go to the surplus and get uh like an army green arm od green army jacket or something and um that that's pretty much what what we used back when you know as far as when i was young you know mm-hmm. but uh the, the clothes nowadays are just oh my god it's just night and day you know they, they make some nice stuff these days yeah what was your uh first shotgun that you took out to the field with you well it, it was an old browning and i don't even remember the model because uh it, it, it was an old Browning inertia type gun, Ooh. and I, I, Riley, I don't remember the model of it. I was too daggone young to even remember it. It was something that my dad had for us boys. Um, my dad and my two uh, older brothers, you know, they all duck hunted first, and then they'd hand the gun down. Mm-hmm. And then when I was when I was able to actually buy my first shotgun, it was a Remington 1100. I did some work for a guy um, around this house for a few days. And he gave me just enough money to buy me a brand new Remington 1100. That was probably 19 years old. So that was, uh, that was great to get that, you know, for when you're young, especially when I, you know, grew up, you know, things were a little harder to come by, you know, nowadays, heck kids, they're walking around with brand new trucks and new shotguns and all that stuff at a young age. But when guys, you know, back in the late seventies and early eighties, you know, it just wasn't quite that easy to, to come across new equipment. You know, you had to really work hard for it and not that kids don't work hard today, but my dad wasn't giving me nothing. That's for sure. So we, we had to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So back then, I mean, you've got rubber waders, you've got a hand down Browning. What was the duck call in your hand? What was the first you duck know, call? I, I can remember the first duck call I probably blew was a, a mallard tone, an old mallard tone, and then the next one would be an old. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Wow. But I didn't know how to blow them, but I was trying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, those, that is awesome. That is a mallard tone. I've I've seen them on eBay. I've never heard them. I mean, were did they were they rough sounding? Were they good sounding? How would you describe? You know, them? Um, yeah, they were they were just a basic, uh, you know, basic. You know, they probably only played in maybe one or two octaves. You know, you weren't going to get a full range of 
you know, high to lows and that kind of stuff. You know, they mm-hmm. were more of a more of a production call, and um, just like the Oats played, in my opinion, the, the original Oats played in just a couple octaves, and you know, people started cutting them down and trying to um, change the soundboards a little bit, and that's where they got that that term "cut down." These guys were cutting cutting on those soundboards to change that that factory soundboard, you know, to to get that bark that they're getting out of them today. Nice. No. This is a strange question because I've I I've never asked this question. So back then, I mean, what what years are we talking about when you started? Oh, when I started, yeah, you're talking in the uh, yeah late seventies. Once I started, you know, yielding shotguns and trying to blow duck calls, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, you you're talking about back in those days, you had some outdoor stores or you had hardwares that. They would order the duck calls for you or the decoys. I mean, in, um, let's see here. I, th- I think it was in Minnesota. They had herders and they had herders oh, yeah. some oh, other yeah. places. Here in Indiana, we had galleons. I mean, that was our place. Uh, what what did you have in Ohio? Yeah, so um, herders was one of those things that a catalog got in every duck hunter's living room across the country. You know, so herders did a good job of catalog sales and we had um a couple sports shops that just happened to be where some of the guys that worked in those sports shops were duck hunters so they had a pretty good line of duck calls in there you know mm-hmm. and then then and then obviously um you know the cabelas and all those bigger places like that came into business after that but yep herders and and just small um sports shops you know in the area yeah yeah we um yeah, it was over here. We had galleons. That was our big thing. And we had like three of them here in Indiana. And then one year they just uh, one day we showed up and the doors were closed. And all of a sudden there was yeah. a big dick sporting goods across, across oh, the road. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the back then, I mean, you're talking about the. Um, the catalogs, and I mean, I've heard that those big catalogs would show up, and it was like a kid at Christmas time. Oh yeah, like yes, yeah, Sears and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, all those catalogs would show up. Yep. Then in uh, in the eighties, uh, right is when I started, you know, going to the, the duck hunting uh, outdoor shows, like up in Michigan, the Point Mouillet Waterfowl Festival. And right here in, in Ohio on Lake Erie, we had the Ohio Waterfowlers put on a, a show. So that's when I started um, getting into the custom duck calls. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what was your first custom duck call? And how old that, were you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, well, I was, I was in my 20s. And that was a Jim Hill. Jim Hill was out of uh, Taylor, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um he was a very popular call maker um, in, in the tri-state area, especially, you know, his pe- contest callers up in Michigan and stuff were using his calls. And um, that was the first custom call I got. And um, then I probably bought, uh, you know, I bought a couple of real foots because there was some metal recall makers up there in Ohio at that time. And, um, and then I just started sprouting out from there. But yep, Jim Hill was, uh, that was the first custom call. That I blew. Nice. And when, I mean, did you say you were 17 when you got that? No, not when I got that. That that would have been a little bit later. I was in my 20s when I got that, my first custom call, Riley. Nice. Now, when, at what point were you, did you think to yourself, 
you know what? I think I can do competition calling. When did that happen? Well, well, what happened is my dad and my brother were up on the Saginaw Bay, and they towed a guy in. His motor was broke down, mm-hmm. and they befriended that guy. And that guy happened to be a contest caller, mm-hmm. and he was a he was a Michigan State champion, and he won some regionals, and he had blown down at the Worlds contest. And this was during the eighties. And, um, so we become friends with him and, and then I, he, he decided that he wanted to teach me how to blow a duck call because I showed interest. And then he took me up to, to see Jim Hill and I bought a Jim Hill custom duck call. And then this guy, his name was Charlie Hunter. He was from Michigan. And, um, he taught me how to, to blow a duck call the proper way and, 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 and taught me what a, a contest routine was like. And um, mm-hmm. so that's that's when I decided, you know, that I could blow in contest. So when he got me to the point where he said, hey, I think you should get in your first contest. And I think that was probably, yeah, maybe 1988 or something like that. Wow. Wow. You ain't even that old. You, were you born yet, Riley? I wasn't even born yet. I was, I was, <laughs> uh, I was a year out. I was born in 89. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so man, I mean, what was what was it like? I mean, that getting into the calling. I mean, now I know the calling from the seventies to now has changed. But I mean, has the calling been around the same since the eighties, or has it changed? Yeah. Um, I would say in the late eighties when I got into it as far as the main street calling wasn't a whole lot different in the late eighties. Um, I think that the biggest thing was, is, is the routines, um, that you had to blow to do well in Arkansas. It, it just wasn't as widely circulated as far as what you got to do now with technology and just, it's just so much easier to get a hold of information and to learn things. But, you know, it makes a little you, you you mature faster, I guess, is what I want to say today as far as being a contest caller. Of course, I haven't done it in a million years, but um, the routine really wasn't hadn't really changed that much um, mm-hmm. as far as the, as far as the main street. But, you know, they didn't have all that live duck and and, and you know, the stuff um, that they have now. It was just mostly um, main street, you know. So, yeah, the routines were, were very similar back then. Um, as they are now, Riley. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, man, I back then. I, so, I mean, you started in eighty. Did was your first competition in eighty eight? You said. Yeah, I would say nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. And when was your last? Oh boy, probably. Um, I think the late nineties. I think was the last time I blew on one. Maybe two thousand. Really? Somewhere, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Wow! Did you? Yeah, did it was, it was a nerve nerve wracking experience. I can tell you, the first time I got in, and I I about peed my pants. I just it, it was nerve wracking. <laughs> Ner- nervous, I tell you. You you know, I was watching a video on a guy that was teaching a duck calling routine uh, for competitions, and just walking through the routine, and it's like, holy crap! It seems simple, but it it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, it's not. No, it's not simple at all. I mean, it, it's probably simple to to say, okay, all right, I under, you know, to explain a routine to someone to say, all right, okay, I, I understand it. 
and then you just have to do a lot of repetitions to, to get your routine down. But but the problem is there's just so many. You have to be perfect. I mean, just the highs and the lows, and then when you you hit hit up top and you start coming down, you can't drop and skip notes, and um, you know because the judges will catch it. You know, so to 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 know a routine is not all that difficult. To play that routine and be good at it is very very difficult. It's uh, extremely difficult. Yeah, because I mean, with the meat calling and all this, you get to do what would sound natural but with the main street i mean you are going by a standard and you are being judged against a standard i mean it's just incredible yep you're right uh you know the high balls and the the hail calls um those things have you know evolved way past the point of practicality as far as what a duck sounds like yeah but but it takes a lot of skill um, to hit that perfect hail, you know, on the high end and walk it all the way down without any drops or even squealing or squawking your call. But, you know, but, you know, some of the feed calling you get in there and some of the, you know, the lonesome hens and, uh, and, and even a greeter call, you use all sorts of things in a hunting situation, just, just not the hail call. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard people hating on uh, Main Street comp callers and saying, oh, that's not what you use out in the duck blind, blah, blah, blah. But let me tell you something. Any comp caller I have been around, they have the richest quack and hail and feed chuckle I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, is the contest callers, they're not going to do that stuff out in the field and, you know, while calling ducks. But you, you take a guy that's a good contest caller and then he goes in there and, I mean, that guy can do anything he wants on a duck call. You know, I listen to some of these kids today, and they are just fantastic. Just uh, they just blow your socks away. That that's how good they are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, it, it man, just to hold those hail calls and to have that much wind, it's just some of the stuff that. Uh, and then I mean, what was it last week? Seth Fields won the worlds. I think no, it was uh, Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know what? And, and I did get a chance to, I don't know where I bumped into it. I, I did listen to his routine just, just for the, just for the heck of it, you know, cause I, I know of Seth's name and I know he was very talented and I listened to his routine and I was in awe. I was like, wow, this kid can blow a duck call. That was, was tight, wasn't fantastic. it? Oh, fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went back and listened to that routine. It was just I, I talked to uh, Jack Trichu, and he said, man, he listened to that routine. It was just so tight, and I was like, man, I, I've got to listen to it. And it was just absolutely flawless. Yep, yep. He's very powerful, and you don't fall off nowhere, and just his comeback call was just powerful. and just, just I can't say enough about that kid. He can blow a duck off. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I I think next next year I may try to go to the worlds. I have not yet gone just to watch. I heard it's just awesome. Yeah, I had a chance to get down there a few times and uh, actually compete in it, and uh, it was a lot of fun, but nerve wracking. But it was fun. You competed in the worlds? Yeah, I did. Right, I won a couple state contests and one regional uh, back in the day, and. Uh, so I did get a chance to compete down there. I wasn't real good. You know, I made a, a call back every time I went, but I never made it to the finals. So so I guess I wasn't 
very successful, you know. Well, you got to sit on the bus at least what once or I twice. Did, yep, I, I I did. I got matter of fact. Uh, I think the last time I went is when Rick Dunn won the world, <laughs> and, it was, and it was great to see him because he 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 was so close so many times, and then he finally won that thing, and and deservingly so. Yeah, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I heard he came in second a couple times before he actually won. Yeah, I think he was second a couple times and thirds and fourths, and yeah, he was knocking on that door. So it was good, good that he won one. Nice, especially especially being an echo, because a lot of the you know the rich and tones had won so many times, you know, and and then when Rick won, you know, with his own call, that was fantastic. Yeah, and eventually Echo would come back with his line of calls and have some champions of himself. Oh, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because Rich and Tone, I forget how many men, women, and children champions they have had. It is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, awful lot. Yeah, so when you, I mean, did you ever, uh, what, what kind of call were you using uh, for comp calling? Well, my my first my first so many years I used a uh, Jim Hill, which was a call maker from Michigan, mm-hmm. and then the last year that I qualified for the world was with a with an Echo, and um, it was one that Rick made, and I called him up and I said, Rick, I wanna I wanna switch over to using one of your calls, and because uh, I had uh, a friend of mine was using an Echo that was on the calling circuit. Um, and the, the guy let me blow the echo a few times. I said, my God, I like that thing. So I called Rick up and said, Hey, I need a contest call. And, um, and yeah, that was the last, uh, time I qualified was with an echo and boy, I just, I just love, love that echo duck call and can't say enough about, uh, Rick's calls. Man, they're just so sweet, aren't they? I mean, they are the, yep. there's a reason why it's the number one stuffer insert in the country i mean that 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 call is just sweet yep yep he makes a great call and the thing about rick is he understands a duck call he knows how to make a duck call mm-hmm. you know i know we we have a lot of decorative call makers and guys that are just great with laminations and inlays and checkering and i mean we got some talented call makers in this country mm-hmm. and rick doesn't do all that kind of stuff but i'm going to tell you what if you talk to Rick Dunn about making duck calls and what makes a duck call work, and that that man is just a wealth of knowledge, and boy, did he understands how to make a duck call and, and working with soundboards and uh, and backboards and you know that kind of stuff. Just a wealth wealth of knowledge there, Riley. Yeah, and you, as soon as you, I mean, his calls have such a unique sound. You can tell. When I mean, you can tell when someone's blowing on an echo. You can also tell when someone is a call maker and echo inspired. They kind of like those tones. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it, you hear an echo and you know it instantly. I mean, yeah. it has such a unique sound. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, back when I was doing some contest calling, I could I could usually tell too. You know, you know, if a guy had a rich and tone or an echo or whatever, but uh, but they're both really good calls. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so your last, um, your last competition, I think you said was in 99, you said? Yeah. You know, somewhere down in there, uh, Riley, I don't remember the exact years, but, uh, 
some give or take um, a few years. Yeah. Did did you ever? Because I mean, a little. I think two years after that, Barney Califf won the worlds. Did you ever see anyone like Barney Califf compete yeah, at all? I, yeah, uh, one of the one of the years that I was down there, like I said, I was down in Arkansas in the worlds for three times, and and Barney won one of those years, and Rick Dunn won the other year, and then I don't remember who had won the other year. I just I just can't remember. It was it was a Richardson guy, but I don't remember who. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It uh. Man, I, I wish I could have been back there and seen some of those competitions. I mean, because you would have had Rick Dunn, you would have had Caleb, you would have had all these guys walking around. Um, and then, I mean, you had different calls. You had Barney Caleb coming out of the Carlson camp, and I've heard... Oh, yeah, you had Patty and uh, Buck Gardner. I sat on the bus one year with Buck Gardner, and he oh, was... Oh, my uh, gosh. He he was an entertainer. He entertained everybody. So that's why I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. Um, but I mean, so you you were around all that. You got to see all these competitions. You got to see these legendary callers. You got to compete against them, and you were blowing a J frame. And then, how do you go from that to being a custom call maker that's making a real foot call, a metal read call? How does that happen? Well, what happened was when I started buying some, you know, some custom duck calls, there was some metal reed duck call makers up there from Real Foot up at Point Malay in Michigan at one of the shows I went to. Mm-hmm. And I stopped by the guy's booth and he's spraying water down the barrel. He's kind of explaining to me a little bit about the Real Foot Lake style metal reed duck call. And I, and, and I caught interest in it. You know, it's like, wow, that's interesting. So I bought one of those calls, Riley, and, and, and I hunted with it. And I just really took a liking to the metal reed roofless style calls. And and at that point, I'd been a contest calling for a couple of years or whatever. And and I decided, you know what, I want to make a duck call. And I was really good friends with Jim Hill and his son, Bobby Hill. They were call makers. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to step on their toes. You know, I was blowing their calls and contest and. I decided I wanted to make a duck call, but I and I really liked the metal reed duck call. So and and they and nobody up here made those metal reed duck calls. I think Jack Wilson might have made a few. And um, anyway, so I I started making a metal reed duck call in um, in 1993 was the first year, and and I didn't make, even make it look like a real foot. It almost looked like a, a typical smaller plastic reed Arkansas style duck call, but it had a metal reed in it with a flat soundboard and a wedge block, just like a real foot would, but it was just a shorter version and looked more like the, the Arkansas style call. And that's, uh, that's when I started it was 1993. Wow. 93. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, you were, bu- you were busy trying to get into kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was knocking on the door of kindergarten. Sure was. Right. Yeah. Right. The, um, that is amazing. That is amazing. 93. Um, wow. So, I mean, was, I think you told me last time, like you didn't really want to rub shoulders with the guys that were making J frames. So you went with the, metal reed duck call i mean was was there a big am i correct in saying that well 
I, I didn't really want to step on their toes just yeah. because I was I was close to them and they and they had done a lot for me, supplying me with duck calls and helping me and right. you know to learn how to blow calls and I didn't want to step on their toes. So I and I did want to make duck calls. I just I just just had this passion for duck calls at that point. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I chose the metal reed duck call because up here nobody was really making them and so that's uh that that's kind of why I started on the metal reed. Of course I I had a love for those, those real foot style calls. I thought they were special. You know, they were just, they were different. I loved the tradition of them. And um, so that, that kind of led me in that direction. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one thing I've noticed um, to get off the trail here in a second, but um, that's one thing I noticed. Like if you get on YouTube, you have had a presence on social media with, your real foot calls for a long time. Like I was very surprised. I think it was seven or ten years, something like that. Um, yeah, I yeah, I was making those videos um a while back, and um, then I just kind of slowed down and, and stopped making those YouTube videos. But yeah, I did. I put quite a few of them out there. Yeah, and you know, one thing I really respect about what you do. I mean, I'll I'll look on call nets and I'll see a real foot call or. I'll say see a J frame, and then once in a great while, you'll come out with a Louisiana uh, a cane call. Um, so, I mean, do you do do you go back and forth just so it's to break up the monotony, or what? What's your? Do you just do? A yeah, combine? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I do. Um, yeah, kind of to break up the monotony, or I'll just get this feeling inside about. I just something would just come over me and it's like, boom, I'll just, <laughs> I want to jump on some real flips, you know, it's like, or, or that Louisiana, that cane call or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it'll just, uh, a little bit to break up the monotony, but something just kind of grabs a hold of me and I just, my interest just spikes again. You know, it just, it's kind of like renewing it all over again, Riley. So bouncing around, you know, that's, uh, that's good for me. It keeps me fresh. Yeah. It, man, I'll, I'll tell you what I've, I've done the J frame. I've, my real love is really Louisiana style, the cane call style. That's why I really love, um, but yeah, that that real foot's calling my name, the or metal reed style, because I'm trying something different. But uh, man, the tone of a real foot—it's just so unique. I mean, are are there hunting situations that you can just break that thing out and just pull the birds? I mean, why why would someone want to use a real foot today? Well, you know, like I said, I I think it's just a it's a change of pace. It's a different sound, and and to me, what I can say is. You know, if if you're having trouble calling some ducks, pull out that metal reed and get a different sound to them, and and maybe that's all it takes is a little bit different sound, and uh, and that that's mainly what what I do with it, Riley. It's just it's a different sound to it. Yeah, yeah, it, they're so unique. I mean, there's there's nothing like a real uh, metal reed, real foot call. I mean, and that technology hasn't. The metal reed call been around since like the late 1800s. I may be wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 It sure was, and they were using that wedge block and that that flat soundboard, and and you know a lot of folks, you know, they they're like, well, what's a what's a real foot lake style call? Well, a real foot lake style call is basically you got a barrel, mm-hmm. an insert with a wedge block, a flat soundboard, and a metal reed with a curl in it. 
So we don't want to use the word bend in the metal reed because bend ain't right. It's got to be a curl. Mm-hmm. If you bend it, you ruin that reed, you know. So that that's the definition of the real foot lake style call. So nice, nice. Yeah, they they're they're so cool. I mean, the um, what was I gonna say? And I I mean, is there's kind of a small group of guys that make them. I mean, it's it's um. I mean, back in the day, were there more guys making them, or I mean, yeah, there always... there was. Um, of course, I'm I'm not super old, but obviously there was a lot of them. Probably, you know, way back in the day, you know, way 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 back, 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. and 50s. But um, I, I I'll say this, Riley, I would say in the the late 80s and early 90s, yeah, there was. Um, I would say a lot more guys that actually lived um, on Real Foot Lake that were making them, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, um, Sonny Cochran was still making some calls back and I tried to get one and heck, I don't know what year it was. Uh, let's just say 1991 or something. I don't remember exactly, but, uh, I was trying to get one and his, his list was long and he had some health issues and, um, he had a long list. I talked to his wife and, and she said, I'll put you on the list. And um, just never got to it. He, his calls were in demand, and he just um, he had a long list of, of customers. So, anyways, yeah, there was there was a handful of guys still on the lake that, uh, on Roof Lake that were making them, and like Spicers and and whoever else was was down there still making them. And um, Johnny Asbill and Johnny Asbill is once I switched over from that short stubby real foot or metal recall, which I wasn't very good at making them, but um, I started talking to Johnny Asbill, who who was from Real Foot Lake area, and he gave me some pointers and kind of helped me in the right direction, and I met another Real Foot call maker down that way. He didn't live on the lake, but he was from down there on Tennessee, I think from the Old Bayan River. Um, his name was Faye Holt, and mm-hmm. Faye helped me quite a bit, and I transitioned um, into basically what I'm the way I make my metal recalls now with a little help from Johnny Esbill and Faye Holt from down there in Tennessee. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you you definitely dropped some names. And then you had that one guy with a really funky looking duck fat barreled metal reeds with the mallard painted on them, Glenn Scobie floating around. Ah, Scobie. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you're talking about a, a, another fellow that was uh, around at that time. Well, Riley? wasn't Glenn Scobie around that time? Oh or yeah. Was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventies. Uh, no, no, Scobie was. Yeah, well, he was probably around then too. I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I met Glenn Scobie absolutely. No way. And, uh, Did you really? Oh yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he was still doing doing shows. Um, man, I want to say into the the 90s, you know. Yeah, I mean, he even he even would have some calls at Herders and places like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He used the stainless steel reed where where I use a phosphor bronze. Yeah, yeah. I heard he was um, kind of a grouchy character. Was he okay when you <laughs> met him? Well, you know. No, he was fine. I'd only, I'd probably only met him a couple different times, and uh-huh. and and yeah, I didn't have uh, no no issues with him. I thought he was a nice nice man, and um, but but you could be right, Riley. I just didn't have a lot of dealings with with Glenn. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, 
I I get it. The the more I mess with a, a real foot and try to bend the uh, the reed and trying to troubleshoot things I do wrong, I I understand why he, you would have an attitude if you make them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, yeah, it, it it takes a little bit to learn, um, but once you get the knack of it, it's not bad. And um, and also blowing them a little bit different than. Then uh, you you use the word J frame. I don't use that. You're, you're always going to hear me say Arkansas style. Um, it takes a little, little bit different air presentation into blowing that that real foot like metal recall than it does a Arkansas style plastic recall. So, but yeah, the tuning once you learn it, Riley, it's not bad. But uh, a lot of times when you're having issues tuning that metal read, it's probably because you either got a twist in the metal. Or your soundboard, or your soundboard's not totally flat. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think my problem was a little bit of both, <laughs> and just <laughs> well, other things. But well, then you were up against a lot. If they were, they were both had an issue, right? You you were going to struggle. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something I'll eventually figure out. I mean, oh, no I'll, doubt. I'll, I'll try. I'll try a little harder than the J frame. I was, I was one day I'll go back to that. Sorry. Arkansas style. Um, <laughs> I will one day go back to the Arkansas style. No, I remember, I, I think since you brought up Arkansas style, I, I remember this. You're, you're more old school. Like you like your, uh, Arkansas style with like friction fit and not, not to start the argument of friction fit versus O-ring because in my collection I have both and guess what they both work very well um, right well yeah, yeah 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 absolutely but you're right Riley um, um, when I grew up and, and started blowing custom duck calls and contest calls mm-hmm. and, and, and Butch Rich and back and, and uh, of course Rick Dunn is, is who helped me a ton when I when I started making a an Arkansas style duck call, it was Rick Dunn that spent hours with me on the phone, and he was very patient, explaining some things to me. And you know, and Rick Dunn didn't use O rings, and so neither did I. And um, and so that that's just the way you know that's what I grew up with. And and you're right, I, I'm a traditionalist. You know, I like the metal reed duck calls, um, and I, I kind of stick with with what I was introduced to, which is, you know, the friction fit. And, and that's, that's why. And then back then I never heard Rick Dunn or Butch or anybody talking about J frames. And so I, I just don't use that term either. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, may, maybe they did use them, Riley. Um, maybe they did. I just, I just never heard it. So, well, you, you know, who knows where these terms come from? I mean, I, I heard the term, Cajun squeal brought up so many times by different people, and then when I talked to Rod Haydell, he claimed his father Eli uh, came up with the term Cajun squeal. So who oh, knows okay. where the J frame, yeah, or who came up with that? But um, right, and I mean, as far as O rings go, I mean, I I had talked to uh, a couple call makers recently that literally. Still do friction foot, but they uh, fit. But they put an O ring on the inside of the barrel. Um, wow. Okay. So I, I mean, there's man, there's when it comes to duck calls, that that's the thing. Like I was talking to uh, a friend of mine that's a call maker uh, the other night, and I told him I said, if I die tomorrow, no one's going to know what these numbers on the wall means. No one knows what the marks on these drill bits mean. 
Like we all <laughs> we all have our real weird quirks as call makers, and we do things so differently. Um, I mean, are they wrong? Are they right? I mean, who knows? But um, I mean, every call maker I've met just has their own little quirks, their own little way of doing things, and that's what makes these calls so unique. Well, I and here's my guess. So the O-rings, I mean, they've used them in short re-goose calls and all that stuff for, for quite some time. But my guess is, starting out with the O-ring, and, it, and it's a good technology using uh -huh. the O-rings. Uh, my guess is there was a call maker out there that was struggling to get a good friction fit. So he came up with the idea, you know, with the O-ring, because it gives you a little bit of uh, room for air, so to speak, you know, and... And you probably someone came up with that idea, I and mean, it was a good idea. And then I think that idea caught on, and um, of course now we have a lot of call makers that use it. And and um, but in I think it's great technology. But like mm -hmm. I say, I'm 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 more of a traditionalist, and 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 I've learned on the friction fit way, and and that's just what I've stuck with. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks, on the. Rilo's Quack Chat with Kelly Gaddis. He said that the O-ring came about because someone sucked at making friction fit. I'm just teasing. I'm just hey, Riley, teasing. what you're going to do is everybody in the call-making community is going to think I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm arrogant. So let's no, back down on that. <laughs> no, you know, you know it's, it's tradition. It's traditional versus opinion. And, you know, if I was to make a J-frame tomorrow, being a traditionalist, I would do a friction fit. Um, for me, if I was making my own call, I would make a friction fit. Uh, I've made friction fit. I may have made O-ring. Um, and it's just preference, right, when it gets down to it. I mean, the, is is it wrong for one guy to like a friction fit and hunt over cork decoys while one guy's using O-ring and hunting over um, flambo i mean no it's personal right. preference right absolutely and i agree i think it's you know it's the evolution of technology and and things are ever changing and and i guess if you want to get ahead you got to keep changing with uh with the times you know to get better and better but i guess i'm just an old stubborn mule <laughs> and you know so. i not that but you know there's a part of me there one day I want to at least one time hunt over cork decoys, hunt with a real foot call and use a side-by-side -side shotgun, maybe wow. even wear canvas waders. I mean, man, right. I love tradition. I love to romanticize duck call, duck hunting because really duck hunting used to be a gentleman's sport. I mean, there's articles from South Carolina where one day out of the season Everyone had to wear a tie when they hunted. I'll be darned. So, I mean, they would have to wear a tie, and usually they wore a a, a newsboy hat um, with with under their canvas waders. So, I mean, there is so much tradition. I mean, you go to New Jersey, Maryland, you get the wood white cedar decoys, the cork decoys. I mean, there is no other hunting sport that even comes close to the history of duck hunting it's just so rich from one side of the country to the other oh yeah i i have to agree with you you know i uh, i i love all the history and and i love the the chesapeake bay and those upper chesapeake bay decoys and just 
you're right, Riley. I have to I have to side with you on that. Well, you know, and pe- people want to. I mean, when you first get in, you wouldn't know this because I mean, you got into this. Wh- I mean, you started making duck calls when I was four years old. So I mean, we have two different perspectives. But you know, as the new generation of duck hunter, um, I mean. Yeah, I painted my face. Yeah, I did all that. Um, And had the Max 5 shadow grass camo and all this stuff on my waders. But the more I get into the history of duck calls and decoys and all this, the more I start going backward. Because, I, you know, before Duck Commander, I mean, it was a gentleman's sport, kind of like pheasant hunting. And so you read all this history about that's just so rich. Um and I, I don't know. It's uh, you get to a point where you start going a little bit backward, and you romanticize, like I said, duck hunting. And yeah, it's some of the old gear and some of the old duck calls. Man, that's that is why I love real foot calls, is because that tradition, man. Yep, and that's that's probably really why why I never quit making the real foot lake style calls. Just basically what you just said right there. And I respect that because cutting that bell is an iffy, iffy deal. (laughs) (laughs) Cutting into the bell, getting that bore right, how they do it. I mean, it is, it is such a learning process for me. And just because you are doing things totally different than J frame or Louisiana or Catahoula. I mean, I mean, some of the old Catahoulas, I do think were done just like real foot. Maybe like they cut into the bell. Um, but uh, I mean, my hat's off to the real foot guys because you guys just do things totally different. Now, I mean, do you have to change your mindset when you go from J frame to K? Yeah, yeah, to... I, and I and I tell you, Riley, and I do. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you hear just recently, man, I, I'd probably went probably a month. Um, I'm thinking a month and a half without making a real foot. And, you know, I was making all Arkansas style calls. And I came out here a few days ago and started making a couple of real foots. And yeah, sometimes I got to stop. I got to think twice, <laughs> think three times a little bit because you're changing drill bits and, and, and yeah. And then if I, and I've changed my process a little bit um, over the years with the way I make a, an insert or a stopper. We use the word stoppers and a lot of those old real folk guys. And um, so when you're making an insert or stopper, I've changed that process a little bit over the years. And so this recent, recently the way I'm doing them, I probably a couple years ago, I kind of started doing it that way. And then mm-hmm. if I stop making them for a while and I'm making some Arkansas and I jump back into real foot, I got to stop a little bit and think about it because I'll make a mistake and then I'll be partially through it and say, man, why did I do that first? I should have done the other thing first. Next thing you know, you're throwing, you're throwing an insert in the garbage starting over again. So yeah, you do got to change your mindset. At least I do. Cause I'm not the smartest fella in the world. So yeah, definitely got to change it. Yeah. It, you know, and like I said, duck call makers have quirks. They, they do things a certain way. I mean, if I put you Ryan Russo and Briars in uh, buying briars in uh, a shop. All three of you guys, or Mike Whitson, I'll throw him in there. If if you four guys were in a shop, you would 
you would be making similar calls. They would all be real foots, but you would all have your own way of doing things in a certain sequence of doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, we we'd arrive right at the same end goal. But you're absolutely right, Riley. I can promise you, we'd all be doing things a little bit different. Because um, I'm not sure, like who Ryan Russo learned from. Mm-hmm. You know, who may have influenced them or gave them some pointers or, or some of the other guys you just talked about, buyers and, you know, so like who taught them, you know, one guy might be cutting the soundboard out on a vertical mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, some someone might be cutting the soundboard out on, on maybe a, a bandsaw. So, it you know, one might use a router blade. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. So you're right. There's going to be a little bit different sequence, a little bit different on, on, on how you cut the soundboards and different drill bit sizes and how you get that tone trough cut. The, uh, the real foot call, um, they all had a tapered sound trough or sound tunnel mm-hmm. in that stopper. They were, it was tapered. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a straight bore. Like you, you're talking, um, an Arkansas style call where you're, you're born through with maybe a quarter inch yeah. drill bit, drilling it dead center or whatever, as it's spinning in a lathe, you're not doing that with a, with a real foot lake style college it's done differently but but you're right um and i would love to to converse with all those guys a little bit deeper on on how they make their their soundboards i think that the barrels are all similar but the soundboards i'm sure everybody's got a little bit different way of uh getting to the end product yeah yeah it it's it's just fascinating man the the the, the and, and you know whenever i see your videos i just it's like I, I always like stop and watch one of your videos, especially if you have a real foot call, because there is no sound like a real foot call. I, anyone that's listening to this episode, if you've listened to J frames, you've listened to Louisiana style. You've, I mean, if you haven't heard a real foot, you need to look up Kelly Gaddis's video um, videos on real foot calls. And you need to listen to that because it has a unique sound. There's nothing like it, and I absolutely love it. Well, thanks for that compliment, Riley. All right. Well, what, um, now, real quick, if we're we're getting close to the end of this, Kelly, but uh, if there is any, uh, how how can people get a hold of you if they want to get a duck call? You know, I do have a website, uh, gaddisgamecalls.com, G-A-D-U-S, gamecalls.com. I'm also on Facebook, and I I get a lot of people message me on Facebook. I do have two different Facebook accounts, and and one I don't do duck calls on. That's just more of my my other private life where I don't show duck calls. The other one is is Kelly Gaddis, Mm -hmm. uh, game, uh, Game Call Maker. So if you type in... Gaddis Game Call Maker or Kelly Gaddis Game Call Maker, then boom, that that site there will pop up where I do um, numerous videos um, um, and and the new calls that I, I make, I'll put on there on Facebook. And um, so that if that's at GaddisGameCalls.com or Kelly Gaddis um, Game Call Maker on uh, Facebook. Cool, cool. Well, are you ready, Kelly, for the last three questions? Yes, sir. All right. If you could go back in time to, if you could get in a time machine and go back to any hunt and relive it all over again, what would it be? Oh, boy. I would have to say one of the hunts up in Saskatchewan, hunting in a barley field, that hunt 
where we just smashed the snows, the Canadas, the Mallards. That'd probably be one of my hunts I'd like to go right back to. That'd be it. Nice. Nice. Now, if the second question, if you could go or if you could be in a blind with three people, I'm talking legends, family, friends, any three people of all time, if you could hunt in a duck blind with them or goose pit uh, and you can throw in a, a dog in there, any dog you would like to hunt with, who would those three people in the dog be? Well, I... I've never raised dogs and never owned a duck dog, so I, I can't really answer that one. Okay. My, my three people would be Johnny Marsh, who Ooh. was a real foot, legendary Real Foot Lake style call maker, Sonny Cochran, another Real Foot call maker, and Rick Dunn from my Echo. Gosh, could you imagine the calling out of that duck blind? <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, those guys were, yeah, they're legends, and, uh, and I think they're all. The, the best at what they do um, was was those, those three fellows right there. Wow. Wow. All right, now the last question. If you could uh, stand over the shoulder of any call maker of all time living and deceased and watch them turn a duck call, who would be? I would say Johnny Marsh. Yeah. Yep, I'd say Johnny Marsh. Um, I've seen Rick Dunn spin spin a call down there a little bit, and um, so yeah, it'd be Johnny Marsh. I'd like to see exactly his process and and, and watch him because he was a master at it. And I, and I did see Butch working on a call too down in his shop. You know, a lot of folks have, but so I got to go with uh, Johnny Marsh. That is awesome. That is awesome. That is cool. So, if uh, real quick, if I mean, you've had so much history in calling competitions. I mean, duck hunting, um, in call making. I mean, if you could give any, uh, le- let's say, um, uh, someone getting into duck hunting, learning how to call right now, could, would you be able to give them any tip? A tip as far as calling goes. Yeah, as far as calling goes, I would say get on YouTube and just just look up look at all the instructional videos out there. There's lots of instructional videos and as far as how to blow a duck call, and there's some good ones out there. I'd say just listen to all them and just practice, practice, practice. Always be practicing. And, you know that that's the advice I give a young fellow starting out with duck calls. And and I would say do that because there's a lot of guys that they hunt with a group of guys. And some of the other guys are doing two or three guys are in their, their hunting group are doing the call. And then you got a few guys that just won't call because they either just started hunting or they're not very good at it. Well, you know what, if you put the work in and, and, and listen to some good instruction and learn the mechanics, you probably end up being the best caller in your group. So just put in, put in the work. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for calling in, man. I I, I really enjoyed you uh, being a guest, and man, just talking about those real foot calls, man. That it was just fantastic. Well, Riley, uh, I appreciate it. Um, had a great time talking talking to you. And in closing, I am going to say I'm going back down to real foot this year in January for a hunt, and uh, I'm going to enjoy that being down there a little bit and, and spending some time in that area. Now, is it true 
that whenever you go on a hunt in real foot, the first thing you do is dunk your call in the water. Well, those metal recalls, that's it, man. You want to keep those soundboards wet, and that's it. They just sound better wet than they do dry, especially if it's tuned right. Yeah, what, when I was down at Real Foot, the Real Foot Call Show, one of the guys that was there hunts Real Foot all year long, and he said that it, it comes from the Real Foot Call history, but he said, yeah. the I think whenever the, the first, I think it's opening time, I think it's like right when it's time to shoot, on the first day, everyone takes their call and dunks it in Real Foot. So it, it's well, that's, yeah. so I, I think it's just a great some of the traditions are just awesome. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, Kelly, if you don't mind, just stay on the line real quick and I'll close her out. Thank you. All right. So that was Kelly Gas. If you get a chance, make sure to check out his calls. Follow him on Facebook. And yeah, you if you follow him on Facebook, you will see those fantastic calls. It seems like he just cranks them out. You'll see them like once a week or so. I mean, they are fantastic. Um, and yes, from, yeah, uh, if you want to just um, just letting people know, after the first of the year, I am going to, uh, on Wednesdays, I'm going to be work uh, having some call makers, duck call makers, duck hunters calling in and doing 15-minute episodes on how you can uh, like the quack on a duck call, a hail call on a duck call, uh, duck calling 101 all the way to do uh, doing different types of calls. Um, so after the first of the year, man, I've heard some requests on that. Uh, Dr. John, I, I heard that from you. You kind of, you know, we're getting into these episodes, wanting to learn how to do certain calls. And, uh, I mean, and Chris, man, uh, you and your sons down there listening to this, these episodes, I have heard your guys request and I'm going to try to get some, uh, guys on here that are going to teach so we can all, uh, listen to these episodes over and over and over again and get our calling better because that's what it's all about. So everyone until next time, this is Riley Hendrickson with Rilo's quack chat. See you later.